So this will seem like a simple question, but I want you to think about the consequences of saying no to either of these young women. Would you rather turn down Amy March or Caroline Abbott when it comes to a day out on the ice? Hmm. Or who are you more likely to save? Oh, that's a tough one. That's tough. I'm more likely to save Caroline, if we're being honest, but it's, you know, close call. We do have a book manuscript that we need to think about. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I, like Greta Gerwig, I'm saving Amy March. That's me. I don't know. But then, yeah, I mean, I guess you have to. It's hard because it's like, you know what's going to happen or not happen if you don't save Amy. Like, you know how that's going to like foreshadow. With Caroline, it's like, we haven't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't, No. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I don't know. It's like that stranger than fiction thing where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen because I haven't seen the rest of the story. I'm too in my head about this. I'm just, I don't know. I'm taking it really seriously. Yeah. We're both on thin ice. Welcome everyone to American Girls, the podcast. This is the podcast where we're reliving the American Girls series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm still Allison. You know, we're going to get into this, but I think we disagreed about this book, this episode, and that always makes for an interesting convo. But, you know, before we get into that, how are you? How are things? What's new in your world? You know, even if we didn't have full-time jobs, there has been so much American Girl news lately, I feel like, to keep up with. It's keeping me on my toes. Yep, 100%. I mean, also, it's just like, I feel like I'm going to have to get like a third job to pay for some of the new <laughs> products that have been announced. Yeah, there was a historical sale this week, and so you could get one of the the kind of regular historical dolls for under $100. And I said, Allison, stop. No more. Did you stop yourself? Yeah, I did. I did. But only because I basically have them all. Interesting. My parents, (laughs) as I told you off air, have been in the process of cleaning their attic for approximately six months. Like it's beyond comprehension considering the size of this attic. And I believe that is where my American Girl dolls are. Have not heard any word of them being found yet. It's like my parents are sort of like James Cameron and their addicts, the Titanic relic, and they're obsessed with it. And and yet like nothing is surfacing. I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. Do you think your parents are actually in a long audition for Magic Attic Club? <sighs> oh my God. If only. I hope they find some of my Magic Attic Club stuff. I'm hope I hope I like saved that. I don't know. Again, who knows? My childhood is like at the bottom of somewhere in their attic. I remember like I did have a pony palace from my little pony and my dad threw it away without consulting me once. And I've, I've not recovered from that. So like, if I hear that one hair on the head of my American girl dolls, admittedly, I did store them there voluntarily years ago. If I hear that they're harmed, I'm going to be very upset, almost as upset as James Cameron is about the state of the Titanic relic, which he is now hysterically telling people (laughs) is disintegrating. And we're about to lose the Titanic. And it's like, guess what, James? We lost it in 1912. Catch up. Yeah, I don't think. Do we need it? Do we need more? I don't believe. I think we've told the stories that we need to tell about it. I think we've seen enough of it down at the bottom of the ocean. I'm worried about life here on the surface. Like, come on, James, like, let's throw some Titanic money at that. But, you know, again, who am I to critique this? No, I know. I hear you. I do think if Caroline was around today, she'd be a Titanic stan. 
Yeah, she would be with James in that weird like robot submarine thing, like trying to get down there. Perhaps literally. Yeah, I could see that for her. You know what? The Titanic wasn't your, and I stand by that. Thank you. Did you know that Zero Dark Thirty came out in the same year as this book? What do you think that means? I don't I don't really know what that means. Like <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, but I will I will ponder that. I just feel for that woman having to have been married to James Cameron for however brief a window of time that was. I mean, you know, my thoughts and prayers. Like you survived, ma'am. Good for you. She did. She did survive. She did. Yeah, this book came out in a pretty active year. But before we like go back to 1812 or 2012, we have to talk about World by Us. Yes, we do. I was very excited to receive my catalog this week. I've started receiving catalogs. Don't know why. I'm not going to question it. (laughs) And as I told you off air, like a lot of the narrative escaped me in, in flipping through my catalog. So you filled me in on quite a bit. Yeah, so there's some important aspects of the community center where these three hang out that we will get into, but they are three new characters who were released as part of a brand new series. And some people knew about this in doll circles because of what was being trademarked ahead of time. But these three girls, they all have a cause and they all work together on causes. And a lot of our DC listeners were very excited to find out that they are also taxed without representation. So they are capital gals. Ooh, interesting. They're all based there? Yeah, so they're all based there. Um, They have a love of soccer, a love of fashion, respectively, social justice. They have a lot of different things going on. There's a great interview on the American Girl website with the authors where they talk about what these friends are into. But I want to tell you like a little bit kind of their backstory In a six-minute interview, we learned that these girls are, like, very passionate about upcycling, and that leads them to a bathing suit that ends up kind of unraveling a story of familial segregation. I was like, okay, so they're really going for it. Like, next part of the conversation, one of these characters deals directly with a family member who is being held in detention due to an immigration situation. And the girl's response, quote, we need everyone to speak up. So these girls are definitely, they're activists, they're very excited, and it's like they're taking on a range of causes. Their mantra is together we have the power to create the kind of world we want. And they do have girl power sweatpants. I'm very interested in that, although I kind of just like, I don't want to make this awkward, but you said that there's three new girls when there are clearly four. Oh. So I just, I need to speak on that for a moment. Is that true? Well, I mean, I think like we need to kind of like expand our definition of girl. I'm currently staring at this girl. Her name is Minnie Fridge and Snack Set. Yes. She costs $50. Allison... I have before me the first one I'm calling Queer American Girl. She is a mini fridge. She is. But I just want to point out that the way that we know her identity is because she wears a sticker that says, let love win. And it's rainbow colored. All the letters are different colors of the rainbow. Beautiful. And then you open up inside and, and I see an array of seltzers. So it's like, finally, thank you, American Girl. Thank you for acknowledging queerness in the form of a mini fridge do i wish that perhaps she was human like again i don't want to discriminate that's not that goes against the vibe of this new cadre of girls but you know i don't know because i'm also into this like sports car thing you're selling which goes against i think the social justice eco vision of these other three 
But I would love to take my queer American mini fridge out for a ride in this mini sports car that appears to be remote controlled. It's $225. I won't be buying this, but not in this lifetime. But I'm just saying that's where I'm at. So one of our listeners responded to a poll we did on Instagram, brief little Q&A, and asked if they're supposed to be teenagers. And I do wonder if the seltzer is supposed to be signaling a lot of different things, but one of which is being slightly older. Because I don't think of nine-year-olds as drinking seltzer. Interesting. I mean, but nine-year-olds now, like I think nine-year-olds in our generation weren't drinking seltzer. And that's because we were all addicted to Diet Coke and God knows what else, Surge. Wow. One time I emptied a pixie stick into surge and I drank it and like, I'm still here. So thank you, modern medicine. But I feel like there are probably some hipster nine-year-olds out there drinking seltzer, like listeners who are parents, please get at us about this. I don't know if that's true. I'm just sort of imagining that in the thought experiment in my head that imagines what parenting is like these days. I don't know. Yeah, so we learned that these girls, um, they're trying to represent a wider range of identities, you know, as as you're mentioning with the stickers and, you know, all, all different kinds of things. But what's kind of cool is the cartoons are very lifelike, like compared to the historical characters, which are clearly more cartoony. These are really meant to be kind of, I don't know, prototypes for how people really seem to live. Also, I misspoke. It's not sweatpants. She seems to be wearing yoga pants that say girl power. But almost ironically, which I don't appreciate. Well, yeah, that that part is tough. Um, also, McKenna's leather jacket, really feeling that energy. That's like very of today. Maybe it's pleather, just as a nod to environmentalism. I think, I think it would be. I think it would be. I do think they heard the feedback about recent girls of the year and, you know, like the fact that climate change was only being dealt with in Australia or the fact that party planning was the only way to shine a light on food sensitivities. I feel like they heard that and they were like, okay, so we're heading down a different path to like the imminent end of the planet, racial mm-hmm. injustice, and immigration policy or crimigration. They're like, these three teens, they're going to take it all on. Allison, I beg you, you keep saying three teens. We know it's four. I'm sorry. So I, I just... I hate to bring you back to that, but I hate being disenfranchised. And, you know, to quote McKenna, to quote what's embroidered on uh, McKenna's notebook, we rise by lifting others. So I would just remind you of that in this moment. That's true. So for me, I have so internalized the work of at lesbian Kirsten that that just feels canon to me now. So I apologize. That was my mistake. Let love win. And to remind you of another sticker on mini fridge, American girl, Justice can't be just us. Thank you. Thank you. I object to the string cheese being in this fridge, but we'll I'll have to take that fight up another day. Okay, so we're going to be buying some of these mini fridges because I just feel like my Molly needs one for sure. I would love one. Why is it $50? Can somebody please reach out to me and explain how the pricing of this works because I don't understand what I'm looking at. Here's the thing people don't know is like I love miniature things. So this is like really speaking to my core. I can't even get into this story, but once I met this old lady when I was like eight years old who called herself Nana Short Sleeves and she invited me to stay at her house, I met her at a dollhouse show. Anyway, so I have like, I'm very into dollhouse kind of stuff. So this really speaks to my, where I live and I want it. And I just wonder like, can I have it for free? Can we just have one? I think so. I think if we put that out into the universe, it may work out. 
American girl, if you're like shadow listening to this podcast, <laughs> they're you know not where to find me. They're not. They're not. I do. I'm fascinated though. The seltzer flavors are strawberry, kiwi, pineapple, mango, apple, cranberry, and blackberry. And I they're just natural. That's because they're interested in things that are closer to nature, like caramel corn or carbonated water. Like yes. how you find that out in the wild. <laughs> Oh, wow. I mean, I am very interested in this. I'll be interested to see kind of like the narratives they keep spinning out about this. Like, do these come with books or is it just this stuff? They do come with books. And so folks who are very active in the American Girl community have been posting like little bits and pieces and they have shared some of the stories. So if that's something that folks think we should really look into, like I'd be really curious kind of what's going on. That interview I mentioned on the American Girl website is with three authors. And interestingly, those women all collaborated. So unlike the first Mm. three American Girls that came out in the 1980s where there's some crossover and some kind of bleed over, these characters exist in the same timeline and they are all friends. So it is a very different enterprise than like the first three that came out. Interesting. Hmm. But three separate authors representing three different stories. And they really wanted people to speak from like different family and lived experiences. And that's something they talk about in the interview. I like it. It feels very now. And it feels like a hard pivot from, you know, party planning and things that we cared about just a few years ago. So I'm here for it. I like it. I'm, I yeah. want to learn more. And, you know, thank you for putting out a queer doll, American girl. I, I do wish she was human, but next time discriminate next time. Thank you, Minnie Fridge, for your service. Hopefully someday <laughs> I can afford you. I think so. I don't think so. Oh, wow. wow Should wow, we wow. talk about 1812? I feel like, you know, how do you like, how do you go how- from mini fridge, right? You know, some might say in this new American girl world, I wish I wish I was a mini fridge. Um, but Joni Mitchell might say, I wish I was a river I could skate away on. And so Allison, I would love to channel Joni with you right now and just skate away to our next Caroline adventure. Yes, I would love to. Hey folks, it's fall and we are happier than ever to be sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And hello, they are America's number one meal kit. Fall can be so busy. It is apple season, which also means we are getting into apple butter season. Hello, Felicities. HelloFresh recipes save you time, time that you might be spending meal planning, shopping, or chopping, and you can get back to other things that you really care about. This time of year, especially, the family-friendly menu is awesome, and this can be 30% cheaper than shopping at grocery stores. You're getting pre-portioned ingredients. Now, you may know that I am not exactly a chef. However, HelloFresh makes it really easy, especially on those busy weeknights, to get something good and healthy to eat. And again, this can be cheaper than trying to go out and get takeout. Go to HelloFresh.com slash AmericanGirls14 and use our code AmericanGirls14 to get up to 14 free meals. We so encourage that you check this out. It's really good for this time of year. And again, that's HelloFresh.com slash AmericanGirls14. Use that code AmericanGirls14 to get 14 free meals. Perfect for fall. 
So for this week, we read A Surprise for Caroline, which is set still in 1812. We're about to leave 1812. Mary, if you would please at this time drop us a little bit of the 1812 overture, just like a few bars so people can get into the mood. Here is our synopsis. Caroline imagined it would be great fun to have two girls staying at her house for the winter, but her friend Rhonda and her cousin Lydia seem to have more in common with each other than they do with Caroline. Worse, they'd rather stay in styling hair than go skating and sledding on a beautiful day. When nothing Caroline tries seems to change things, her hurt feelings lead her to make a dangerous decision, one that puts all three girls on very thin ice. Wow. <laughs> I what I just I'm coming in hot on this book and I really don't care, but I read this book late last night as is my practice. <laughs> and I got very upset and I also I still enjoy this series. So I just want to say like a couple like things first. I still enjoy the series. I love what she's wearing on the cover. This is an iconic look. Happy for her. She is a brat in this book and is rewarded for it. And I also, and so I'm just going to put that on front street. I also think your reading of this book is influenced by your own birth order and your own family. A hundred percent. I'm a youngest. Yes. I'm here for this book because this book centers the struggles of youngest people. It also, yes, it does. And I'm a middle child, which I'm sure shows in other ways, but I was raised as a middle child. Like there was never a time when it was just me. So I was never used to people being like, but you always get your way. And now there's other people here and you must like compromise or try to like find a, a third path. That's not maybe what you want or they want, but it's something you can both live with. So the fact that she truly spirals and would have been spinning out on the ice on her own had she been allowed to skate solo at the thought of not getting exactly what she wants and then reacts to it by trying to be insanely manipulative for the course of the book. I was not like, there's a part of me that's like, I'm sure this is all very age appropriate and people can write in who are experts on developmental stages. But to me, I was like, this is not my vibe. And at the end of it, I felt she got rewarded for it. And I did not like the ending. I didn't love the ending. So we mentioned at the top, and just so people have some context before we kind of go through piece by piece, part of what this book is really building to is we have a holiday scene partway through, but Caroline is struggling with these people who are living with her to find her pecking order in the friend group, basically. Like that's part of what is going on with her. And towards the end, she does something that she absolutely should not do and is literally on thin ice and has to be saved. And then she kind of has this moment, like her own Sarah Jessica Parker moment, where she's like, maybe being steady doesn't always mean like what you thought it did. And by the last page, you're sort of like, I'm not sure we learned anything. Yes. A gracious reading, a compassionate reading of this book is her dad has been in jail or prison for a long time at this point. And we it's sort of up in the air. Like at the last book we were told the prisoners are about to be moved to Halifax and somehow dad was supposed to from nowhere know that he could run into the woods during the transfer from the prison to the ship and then like use her map to find his way home with X not marking the spot. Now we don't know where dad's at with any of that timeline And we don't really know how long it's been, but we do know that Christmas comes and goes. And then we reach the new year, 1813 in this book, dad is still not home. So this is a person who's dealing with some real trauma and I think is also acting very much her age. 
But you do kind of hope that at the end of the book, she's going to learn something about herself that you can kind of grow into and carry with you as you continue to mature. And instead, it's like you basically get what you want. Yeah. Well, I think part of the struggle that she's facing is we learn this is very much like a learns a lesson book in terms of we learn a bit about Caroline's education like, as if Caroline's mom doesn't have enough else going on, she's taking care of the education of Caroline, Lydia, and Rhonda. And I do think that this is a trope in American Girl that guests seem to overstay their welcome, and it affects the 9- or 10-year-old girl in the house the most. If you remember, Emily was literally a war refugee, and Molly flipped out because she didn't want to play bomb shelter with her. Rhonda explicitly says to Caroline, so two things, though, because I want to kind of be like a Caroline defender for a minute here. So early on, like Caroline is not good at math. Relatable, right? Like things are not going well in the lessons and Caroline is not really hitting her stride anywhere. And so Rhonda does that thing that I know I also would not have appreciated where she's like, I'm so good at math, like I can help you. And in a scene, I think very reminiscent of Addie learns a lesson where there's like jealousy kind of sparking around this tight knit classroom. Caroline turns to her and says, it's kind of you to offer, which to me is New England for bless your heart. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, please do not. So then Caroline is trying to have a moment where she's hitting her stride and she's talking to Rhonda about why they should all go ice skating. Rhonda says... I tried skating once and then she talks about it like it was a three-day rave and like this calamity that she'll never recover from. And I do feel like Rhonda was kind of like, Rhonda should have just said no, but instead she's like, well, I might get hurt. And Caroline being 10 is trying to find a way to fix it. So basically none of this is going great for either of them. Yeah, this is like a a classic story of people who don't communicate in healthy ways because Rhonda should have just said, I don't, I went skating once, I didn't like it. I don't care to revisit it. But then I do question if Caroline would have accepted that because I do think there have been times in the book when Rhonda was like, I don't want to skate. And Caroline's like, oh, so the problem is she just needs her own pair of skates. So I know what I'll do. I'm going to ask my dad's employees using my position of privilege. I will ask my dad's employees on top of working all the time to make gunboats for the war (laughs) to whip up a pair of custom skates for a person who has told me clearly I don't want to skate with you here here is one frustration that I have with this character Caroline always looks effortlessly beautiful her hairstyle is always perfect her outfits are always on match Rhonda and Lydia are not as lucky they are pouring over the ladies magazine we're hearing tell that they are bar like begging, borrowing, and stealing to try to get like good looks for themselves. And so we hear from Lydia that they're trying to match themselves to an image that they see in the magazine, which I really love because I feel like that was a brilliant addition that made yes. this both relatable to kids in the 2000s and historically accurate. And Lydia explains, Rhonda is arranging my hair so that I look like the lady in this illustration. See? And then Lydia is going to arrange my hair, Rhonda adds. We'll do yours too, if you want. Like, to be fair, like, she isn't quite fitting in on the cool thing that they have. And to your point, like, there's bad communication, but there's also the fact of, like, 
her dream of having built-in friends is not working out because they genuinely like different stuff. And and she's not willing to accept that. Yeah, I think that's the conflict in the book. It's it's really her own internal conflict. It's not really even about Rhonda or Louisa, question mark. Is that her name? Lydia. Uh, Lydia. Oops, my bad. Um, it's very, um, it's very Jane Austen. It is very Jane Austen or Lydia Sigourney um, vibes. But I feel like there's something going on internally where she's like, huh, I've always had this fantasy in my head that it'd be nice to have like a sister or built-in friends. And now she has them. And because they are not her 2.0 or like they don't want to do exactly everything she wants to do, which, you know, I think is a very like human instinct. You want people to you know, have the same impulses or whatever. She doesn't know how to sit with that or to like work with someone and be like, okay, you don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Like, let's find a third thing we both can live with. And what's interesting to me is in the book, there is no one who actually steps forward an adult in her life who clocks what's actually going on and is like, huh? Okay. Yes. You've never had to learn how to compromise because you literally have your own bedroom, even in a time period where that would be like, very rare. So let me help you. Like I was waiting for grandma to be like, here's a story about how I had a compromise during the American revolution and grandpa still died. Well, so grandma is the one who introduces the fact that Rhonda probably can't skate without saying it, right? She introduces that she should at least ask to find out more about this new friend. And this actually sets Caroline on a new, like heightened mission in italics, if that's true, Lydia and I can teach her. She grinned. Thank you, grandmother. She already felt more cheerful. Soon she'd be out on the frozen lake with her friends, and for once, being the youngest wouldn't matter one bit. So she is thinking now this has gone from like a bad situation to a situation where she can be a star. And this is where she and Rhonda actually have something in common because, like, Rhonda is having a rough winter. Like, she has these younger kids who want her to do stuff she doesn't want to do. And, like, the thing she's good at, which is math, she's like, well, I can be helpful. And they're like, stop, Rhonda. Just keep looking at the magazine. <laughs> keep looking they're at the like, ladies' we're not, book. It's a no for us. And then bullying her into the skating or alternatively making a present for her younger sister, which they do seem to enjoy. That's true. Yeah, that's actually my favorite scene in the book is when they all come together to make the gift for Amelia. I thought that was so like precious. And also the way that you, I love scenes when kids are described really thinking about a decision in a way that feels very adult. Like when they have that decision about what fabric should we use to make the dolls dress like satin or something more coarse. And they really deliberate, like, should we do it black, blue satin, Felicity vibes, or this other, like, you know, hardier fabric that might withstand some rough play. And I just really loved that scene as they like kind of truly collaborate together. It's really sweet. And there's a line earlier where Caroline is like just desperately trying to make this work for herself and for others. I know the three of us can have fun together. And it's like when they're not forcing it, they actually do have a ton of fun making this doll. The beautiful moment where Amelia opens the doll and she sees it is also very reminiscent of Little Women, like the quaint scene, right, of the like kind of household of women coming together. And she says, she's for me, she's beautiful. And I think what was great about that is like people have, including us, rightfully given this brand a lot of difficulty over the consumption, right? Like so many of Samantha's scenes, it's like someone bought her something beautiful or she's buying someone something beautiful. 
this did not need to be homemade. Like, I think kind of what's interesting is Caroline obviously has privilege and some money, yet so much of her life because of war is literally scrappy. Like, she has to be scrappy and she has to kind of break things or refashion things that are in her household. But there is an alternative version of this where the way that she has no problem bothering everyone else in town, she just buys it all and she doesn't. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But I think that's true. Um, I wonder, like, what grandma would have said if she was like, yeah, so I'm going to go buy this doll. It's cool, grandma. Well, her her Christmas happiness lasts like two minutes because like very briefly thereafter, Caroline's like almost burst into tears and she's like immediately Christmas was ruined. Like when she realizes that the skating dreams are not going to work out, she goes from 100 to zero. She's like, it's all ruined. Yeah, it's a little bit over the top in a sense. Although, as you said, there's ham in the book and that's redemptive in a sense if you're a ham fan. So I think something that Kathleen Ernst was trying to do with Caroline here, like I think the meta narrative, Caroline is really trying to make skating happen for her friends and it's not. I was doing some research on Christmas circa 1812. Washington Irving and others in New York were really trying to make Christmas a thing and some of them would really try to make Christmas a thing for decades. And according to the Nisbaum book about Christmas, which is kind of the gold standard history in the United States, it's like they tried. It didn't work. Like what fetch is to mean girls, Christmas is to these men. That is that is very true. And if you want to read something that's like such a weird juxtaposition as a book, if you read John Pintard's diaries, who was like friend of Washington Irvin and others who also wanted to make Christmas happen, it's like he's basically writing about Christmas where he's like, yeah, Santa Claus, like St. Nicholas, like all this stuff. And then he's like, the Irish brought cholera to this town and the poor. And like he's known his diary is like a central source for understanding the cholera epidemic of 1833. But regardless, it's like such a hard pivot to be like Christmas, like Christmas culture. Let's make this happen. Then he's like, obviously, miasma theory and like the poor endure and that's what's causing all this disease and it's like so Nisbaum writes all about Pintard and he's like Pintard would not give up for decades like he starts in this time he like that's how he was with cholera too where people are like we're pretty sure it's the water and like anyone can get it and he's like I refuse to leave this town because we all know it's the poor people and it's the immigrants like I am fine I will be fine and then he's like "Ooh, my neighbor across the street fellow wasp like taken out with cholera he's like hmm interesting still think i'm right about this but it's like a man who can't let it go but also wants to let it snow the john pintard story how caroline is that it is but it's like i hate i just like i do not like a story that's basically like a girl wants something for her own interests like to me it was like there has to be an easier way for you to get out there and skate can we not find literally your busybody neighbor who is apparently lending your cousin and friend a women's a ladies magazine? Can't she come with you and go skating or like literally anyone in this town? Why not ask the employees rather than build me a pair of skates, go skating with me? So to that point, and grandma does, I think grandma steps up. I mean, grandma could not have more going on. She didn't ask for any of this. She's a Rev War survivor. <sighs> right. 
Grandma points out the fact that, like, everyone is happy to give Amelia a doll, but they also treat her kind of like a baby, and so no one is including her on the fun. And I think maybe a different, gentler parent or grandparent would say, like, what is an activity everyone could get some enjoyment out of? And instead, Grandma is, like, sliding her, like, a Dale Carnegie book, like, or, like, a way to influence people. (laughs) And be a leader. But grandma finally comes around to basically advocating that Amelia be included. To which I say, like, where are the other parents? Yeah, that was my question is like, where is Rhonda's mom? Like in any, like literally any of this, like where, I mean, it all is falling to Caroline's mom to do the schooling on top of running the business. And if we recall, this lady worked her way into the house by saying, if you let us stay here, we will help with chores. I'm sorry. Where are you, ma'am? I think by chores, they meant Rhonda will do Lydia's hair. Yeah. <laughs> that's the. That's oh, the- thanks. <laughs> Meanwhile, grandma's like, this is exactly what I deal with it. Dealt with it. Bunker Hill. <laughs> like, no one has asked. Grandma's no like, one oh has asked. God. I mean, they don't know that on Christmas Eve in two years, things are going to turn and there will be a peace treaty. Like, they don't know that. They They also don't know that spring of 1813, things are going to pop off from the American side. So it's about to get a lot worse. It's about to get hot in here. Too hot for skating, some might say. Although I did think there was interesting in terms of like the little illustrations in this book, which I do love. There's an illustration of like a man and woman skating together, holding hands or like he has his arm, he's holding her arm. And it reminds me of like, even decades after this, when central park is developed, there's skating that's offered there. And it's, it's kind of scandalous, but not because skating was something that was one of the few activities men and women could do together socially in public. And it wasn't outrageous. So I actually thought that that was a clever way to have some interactions between men and women in the book. So it's interesting that this is purely an all girl story about skating, not complaining about that. There is a long trajectory of, I was telling Allison off air that I was looking up some childhood books that I loved about skating. Cause there was a moment for about five minutes that I never really took action on beyond, you know, obsessing about actual figure skaters. So I was like, I would love to be a professional figure skater. And then heard a little bit about their training regimen and was like, absolutely not. I would love to watch professional figure skaters, but I loved reading this skating shoes book. If anyone else out, out there has read that it famously was name checked and you've got mail, which I guess is what some people might know it from. Do you have the shoe books? The shoe books. Who's the author? I don't know. My friend told me my daughter has to read the shoe book, so here I am. Noel Stretfield. Noel Stretfield wrote ballet shoes and skating shoes and theater shoes and dancing shoes. And I'd start with ballet shoes first. It's my favorite. But that's an interesting book, too, because it uses skating as a way to explore friendship between girls who are exactly Caroline's age. And basically one of them is a pretty good skater and gets her friend and makes a new friend, teaches her how to skate. The new friend becomes better than friend one at skating. And the friend one is like, what am I supposed to do with this? I taught her how to do this and now she's better than me. So it did seem kind of like it relates. And then there's um, another book that I loved growing up, a series of books by Elizabeth Coda Callan. And she famously put out these books that are called the magic locket and the shiny skates. And you would famously have like a locket or an actual like 
necklace that was on the cover of the book that you could then wear. Um, but those books too are basically like, if you believe in yourself, you can skate. So there's a lot of work being done with like girls skating and like empowerment and also like weird friendship stuff. So even though I'm team Caroline in some of this, I am Rhonda. Like the first time I went ice skating, I created such friction because I didn't put my skates on correctly that I still have a scar on my left leg. So when Rhonda is describing like the things that happened to her and the way that she fell, and I'm very afraid of uh, losing my fingers, right, in that kind of situation, right, falling and then having someone skate over my hand. Like, I feel you, Rhonda. Like, when you fall, it really hurts. It does really hurt. Although I'll tell you my context when I was reading this book was that for reasons I won't get into, I've randomly started rewatching the TV show Reba right before bed. I don't have a personal defense for this. Like I know there's a lot of weird gate panic. There's stuff that is not, that has not aged well. However, I still love Reba and I love Barbara Jean person who plays Barbara Jean. So I looked them up on Instagram. Okay. Cause I hear that they're friends in real life. So of course I'm like, I got to get into this. The person who played Barbara Jean this past year or sometime recently had an ice skating birthday party that was Prince themed. And I'm like, honestly, that's a, like a new dream of mine. I would love that. Like bring together loved ones. Let's go ice skating and listen to Prince. What a dream. But then I was thinking like so many people I would invite, like you, my wife, like would not that would not be your dream. So I don't know how that's going to work for me, but it's hard because skating is very social. Like I think Caroline's right that it does even taking the safety piece out of it. Like her parents don't want her to skate solo. It is a very social activity, even though the thrill you get of it is like within your own body. Like it's a personal thrill of like sliding along on the ice. So it is, you know, I do get her point. It, you know, it's hard when you're relying on other people to get something, an experience that you personally want. It's also when she takes it like another level too far. Like she goes to town on grandma's spinning wheel and then she wants like, like basically Caroline wants to be a jock and a sea captain in a time where she can be neither, right? Like she wants to be super athletic and outdoorsy. Right. So she miss she misses playing hoop and stick. So that's not a euphemism. So she goes to the spinning wheel and is like, I'm going to find a way to do this in the winter. And so she finds something that she can roll with. And, and Rhonda seems like pretty excited by this premise. And then it's like, have we forgotten that the whole issue of this book is ice? Like this piece of the spinning it's not wheel. Go well. It ends up on the ice. And this is when Caroline finds herself in the situation where she is on thin ice and has to be saved by her friends. And it's like, girl, I don't think we thought this part through. Well, again, she was blinded by her desire to be competitive with these new friends and to try to manipulate them. Like it was not her idea. It was her idea to do the hoop and stick on the snow, but she was driven to that because Rhonda just casually was like, I hate cold weather, which like relatable content. And I was like, I miss like summer days playing hoop and stick on the green and whatever on the grass. And Caroline's like, oh, so that's what it's going to take for me to get her out on the snow. Like, no problem. She doesn't want to go sledding. She doesn't want to go skating. So she dreams up this whole thing, does make it happen. Everyone's having a good time. And then Caroline again kind of ruins it because Lydia and Rhonda have invented this game with her. That's like, if you roll this down the hill and it hits a tree, you get a point. Or if it gets down before the others, you get a point or whatever. And Caroline's losing. And so like... 
instead of standing back and being like, wow, I wanted to have fun with my friends outside in the snow and it's happening and that's cool. She instead is like, oh God, they're beating me. I have to win and like throws her grandma's hoop down the hill and it takes off. And like, we literally never see this hoop again. No. And so we have this dramatic moment where Lydia frowns. Caroline, no, we don't know if the ice is ice. Ice is wow. Ice <laughs> is safe here. That was hard to read. It is hard. I can tell if ice is safe. Caroline protested. And like, obviously, the meta narrative is like she can't. Right. Like Caroline cannot tell when she is on thin ice with anyone or on it in a very literal way. But then I'm going to be for real. Like, I think Lydia's attitude is not necessary. Um, So they have this argument. And then Lydia says, perhaps you should have thought about that before taking her hoop. Honestly, Caroline, like basically being like, you're going to be in hot water with grandma and it's completely on you. Caroline then has an outburst. Stop scolding me. Like this, like nothing about this hang is going well. Meanwhile, Amelia is probably in the fire with grandma. Yeah. Amelia's like been so forgotten by grandma that she's like probably melted down or like who even knows what. Maybe she went out sledding on her own and grandma's like, she's fine. It's cool. There's also a pacing thing about this book that I found interesting The last book had quite a bit going on and some very intimate scenes, for example, with the father, right, and the different kind of, like, escape plans. Like, there are these kind of strange self-inflicted issues that go on for, like, 10, 15 pages in this book. Like, I was surprised by how long we were with the hoops. That was a long search to the point that I was like, if I was mapping this, I could not tell you how far out on the ice these girls are at this point no and like so we're chasing this hoop we're not like really super sure why because grandma isn't even using the wheel right now and we know that this is just a very small part page 60 we have caroline out on the thin ice and now she's being saved because the girls have this board that they're putting out over the hole don't stop moving don't look down just keep going like there are portions of this where it's like caroline is launching a self-help podcast she's like absolutely like imploding and it's just i don't know it's 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 a lot and it's also like you had no problem asking your dad's employees to make you a pair of skates for your friend like 50 pages ago why would you not hesitate to ask them to make a new wheel for grandma's spinning wheel No. And like buckle up because they make her a whole other thing by the end of the book. But I don't know if you follow Liz, um, who does like Carrie Bradshaw type videos about living a very wealthy life in New York. This felt like directly out of her content. So Caroline is pushing grandma in this chair sled that has also been made by the staff who like have the time and spare lumber. It looks so awesome. Grandma is flexing because she hasn't been out on the ice in a long time. And Caroline has this internal monologue. She's like waving other people away with a smile. And then in her main character moment, this is like what she's thinking. Somehow, despite terrible mistakes she'd made, everything turned out well. Maybe staying steady doesn't mean never making mistakes, she thought. Maybe the most important thing was to try to learn and do better next time. Like, this is so Carrie the fifth time she gets back with Big. Yeah, exactly. Because I read that and, like, literally threw it down on the floor and was like, she learned nothing, though. So, and also it's like, wow, it is easy for things to work out when you have literal staff whose job it is to, like, use their personal time to solve your problems. Yeah. That don't affect them in the least. 
I feel like Kathleen Ernst is a big Edith Wharton fan, and she was like, oh, what she did for sledding, yeah. I'm doing for yeah. ice skating. And then American Girl was like, okay, but you know she can't fall in, right? Or like tumble down a hill. It's, this is Kathleen. Can't she? Can't she? No. No, there's three more books. I do think books. it's interesting that she was like, I'm not going to do a little women. Like, I'm not going to have anyone fall into the ice and have somebody rescue someone else per se. But there will be a balance beam kind of situation, which leads me to like, how would people know in the 19th century what they should do to save someone who has wandered onto thin ice or fallen into it? Like, literally, all there's all these scenes in 19th century books and in adaptations of them and even this book where it's like, oh my God, someone's on thin ice. And Caroline's like, I know ice, but she claims she knows it because of her dad, which like, okay, whatever. Where, like, I'm sorry, where are all these manuals where people are like, oh, I know exactly what to do. Like, where is this from nowhere knowledge about how to save people? So I think ice fishers are going to be in communique with us post this conversation. I think if you're used to fishing, and if you're used to living on a lake that completely freezes over, you would have a pretty good vibe on ice. I mean, I guess, but like Louisa May Alki, like she was not that. And she was like, yeah, okay, I can write this whole scene. No big deal. So, and that's supposedly, that is based on a real life experience from Marmy's family, right? Hmm. I believe. Yes. And as I told you, I did try to look up on Chronicling America references to skating during the War of 1812, which is a very niche search. I'll say that. But (laughs) most of the reporting and there are a lot of like really sad anecdotes that are printed are basically like I tried to save my brother or like a girl tries to save her brother and she does it. But then she drowns. Yeah. Like there's no like real rescue narratives that are popular in the 19th century. It's mostly like tragedy that are cautionary tales. And yet in stories about this time and falling through the ice, what we mostly get are people being saved. What's so interesting, right? Because we have a girl who saves others from drowning in Samantha. And what I find a little bit bewildering about the remixing in this era of the historical stories is it's like we get all of the same tropes. They just put them in a different order. And I'm not sure why they felt the need to buck the six book arc of the earlier historical ones Mm -hmm. only to do like truly the same kinds of things just in a slightly different order. And with this, in her case, the third book still being a Christmas story. Like, why couldn't she just have a pleasant surprise? Yeah. And like, honestly, I would have preferred a story that was just Christmas based And when she introduced the idea that she had made or was making gifts for everyone, except she didn't know what to make Rhonda, I was hoping we were going to get like an O. Henry story kind of thing where it's like Rhonda's also worried about what to give Caroline and they're trying to make something the other person will enjoy and they have to kind of guess what what each other are into because they're still getting to know each other as friends. That would have been very sweet. And instead it was like, well you were kind of a brat, but then you like, you got your comeuppance because you almost died. And then at the end of it, like, I I will actually skate, but on my terms. Well, and like the real hero, as you said before, and the person who actually has the best experience is truly grandma. And I was thinking it was kind of interesting. Like there's another layer to this story. And I think we talked about this a bit with Kaya and and this is like very true for a lot of things in the recreation world. What's good for an older adult in this case with the 
the chair sled was also good for Amelia and was also actually good for everyone, right? Like when you're thinking about the comfort and accessibility of the more vulnerable people in your party, everyone is actually better off. Cut to three chapters earlier when Caroline is like tying a rope around people and like trying to just make it work. And it's like, now everyone is unhappy. But when they actually work to figure out what would be best for every range of capability, it was like a great situation. And I think there is a lesson there. Yeah. And I also kind of wonder if the chair would have been actually for especially someone of privilege a higher, like would have ranked higher on the options list than what it ends up being in this book, which is like the last possible option. Like yeah. she has access to funds and workers who will, we have seen build her stuff from nowhere at no notice. And even with Central Park and other places where there was like the first public skating, you could rent those chairs because it was perceived that, especially with women concerned about appearing ladylike, that sitting in the chair and being pushed around by a man was the better option. So especially if these two young ladies are reading ladies <laughs> magazines, like you would think they would kind of be aware of that and also be like other women in the area who are doing this every year would also have like workshop this maybe had an extra for them to use. Maybe the neighbor across the street who's lending the magazines would be like, Oh girls, like let's be ladies here. So Katie, who writes really good reviews on Goodreads, she also pointed out the Amy March thing. We were, like, thinking it separately. She says, for all we keep hearing about this shipyard, the girls keep asking the workers for favors. And they're just like, oh, yeah, sure, we're available. <laughs> like, I want to see these ledgers that mom is supposedly in charge of. Well, yeah, and it's like, I'm sorry, what's the lumber cost of this chair? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think it's like a lot of the surprise books where no matter what austerity we're supposed to believe is at play, there's always something that just gets pulled out of nowhere, right? Right. Well, I mean, even the fact that they can have a serious debate of like, should we, I don't know, should we use the blue satin or, <laughs> you know, like the hardier, like the coarser material? It's like to be able to throw away blue satin on a homemade doll is just like it tells a story. Well, and if you wanted to buy the beautiful coat that Caroline wears, figure skating, ice skating, I should say, it was only about $36 and her skates were $22. And I was like, I would happily throw away 60 bucks on that to not have to go ice skating myself. That said, <laughs> would I bring my Caroline doll out to a pond if I didn't think she'd fall in? Yeah. And would I be willing to risk her falling in for a photo? Yeah, honestly. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I would. Like, literally, like, you're like, Caroline, I'll see you in springtime when I come back here with a net. I hope you are you stay in the same general area. I used to bring my dolls and things out to the brook behind my house and to, like, little things that would freeze over and they would have ice skating parties. Like, That's so did cute. they enjoy it? Mm, probably about as much as I enjoy ice skating, but it was like, they need enrichment. Okay. Wow. Well, that's nice caretaking of you to try Thank to expose you. them to new experiences. Thank you. I related to her where she was basically like, I'm, I'm not thinking about my appearance at all. I'm here for like the experience where she runs off with the boys with no thought and is sledding. <laughs> like I was exactly the same way and I still love ice skating, but you know, it's hard. I, I need to find someone to go ice skating with. So, you know, if listeners, if somebody wants to go to an ice skating Prince party, I will make it happen. 
I if think someone will can, show up. We can have a meetup where some of us are ice skating and some of us are having cocoa and or being pushed in sleds. I'm okay with that. I'm like, ready. I think there are different kinds of people in the world and there's people who want the rush of being on their own skates. And then there's people like me who are fine being in the sled or the chair. My dream is to have Prince playing. I'm skating on an ice rink. I'm in a deep emotional place thinking about trying to channel the emotional depth of one Michelle Kwan when she's skating, representing <laughs> our country. And I just want to talk about like the figure skating, the Olympics, like the Winter Olympics are coming up inexplicably because of COVID and everything else. Like people have never seen me during figure skating Winter Olympic season, but it's real for me. That's it. I need my ice skating time. Do you think Caroline would be like a Tara Lipinski stan? Um, I think she's kind of like Tanya Harding, but like Oof. waspier. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just and saying, I, like, I think she's kind of like... Rhonda's a Nancy, for sure. <laughs> Rhonda's Nancy. <laughs> yeah, Rhonda's Nancy. Lydia's probably Katarina Vitt. Yeah. For reasons I can't really explain, but I just feel to be true. I honestly feel like thinking about the period in which she grew up, it's like, I'm excited. I'm nervous for Caroline more than any other character. Like I would slide right into her story. But why? Like, I'm so fascinated by this. What is it about it that's drawing you in? I mean, maybe because it's like a period I think about a lot for work, but I also feel like we mentioned religion last time. Like there is something that's both like deeply in its proper historical context and at the same time, a little bit out of time with Caroline. Like mm. there, like she doesn't have any indication that she's bogged down by biases of her period right because she's a historical mm -hmm. fiction character and it's like just empire waste vibes right like i love all of her clothing pieces i mm -hmm. love her ensembles i relate to some of her struggles not good at math i was bossy about childhood activities and i remember i had a friend who would always be like but i'm the guest and guests get to pick and i would just say like no <laughs> oh my god when we were playing school because we needed to play school so i love her muff like there's so many things that i just like find very compelling about her um yeah i don't know i think i think this also would have been a fascinating time to be a white female child of her background right like it is not a time where i would want to slip into any identity but i think like growing up with the revolution and figuring out what it actually means to be an american like this has been the most the most like the storyline i've been drawn in by i think hmm. like i would not want to hmm. live in the 1940s straight up like i love molly i don't want to live in her timeline why not I honestly think that period is romanticized so much because it really honestly was not unlike the 2020s so far, just rough. Mm -hmm. um, like doing readings of oral histories and like really looking into like the sacrifices and the austerity that people went through, like really truly I think everyone had a pretty tough go of it and then obviously some groups also had to deal with systematic oppression right and racism discrimination 
I think Caroline's is a storyline that, again, this is part of the fantasy element of it. It does seem unburdened by that, right? Which is probably why it's appealing and slightly unrealistic. Like, Mm. 1812 is, like, not a great time in the world, but there is something about this textured idea of Sackett's Harbor that I am finding appealing. To me, I'm kind of wondering if it's, like, Little House Syndrome and not, I don't mean the books, I mean the TV show, where there's moments of dissonance where, like, everyone has a 70s shag haircut, but it's (laughs) the 19th century, where you're like, hmm, that's interesting, where, you know... She there was no flyaways on Caroline's hair in the illustrations. No. Like there's something that reminds you that this actually isn't probably what she really would have looked like in 1812. Like no. it was a dirty time. Hygiene was different. Like no judgment. Just saying. Like like no flyaways would have been the least of her worries. She wouldn't have looked camera ready in this way. Like she's beautiful, yeah. and you know. But at the same time, it's like there is like the mutual aid, the community, and these the world of these books that is so strong and is really appealing and really beautiful. So, you know, I get that piece of it for sure. She is, I think, of any character, probably besides Kaya, who just has to confront so many other things, the least disciplined by time, right? When we think about even Felicity, where it was like she is in school all of these set times, right? Like there is so much time of Felicity's and it's like, now it's summer, time to go to grandpa's, right? All of these things. Her life is in such upheaval, and yet she kind of seems to just go between different things that she enjoys, right? Right. Like, there are not constraints on her at all, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, she's kind of into cooking. She kind of does that for a little bit. Eh, She's doing a little bit of learning. We're not going to get too bogged down there. Eh, A little bit into the shipyard, not too. And it's like, Caroline has a lot of wins. I think that's something that kind of makes her a character and, like, Aaron B., another great reviewer, I'm falling in love with Caroline. I was like, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think something I really, that's <laughs> something I relate to in her books where I find aspirational, which is that she has very few demands on her time. Like yes. her childhood is incredibly privileged and probably in that sense, most of all, even to the point of contradicting what we learn and peek into the past, which says, if nothing else, that girl and girls play and boys play with separate and that boys play you know, was outside and roughhousing and whatever. And girls play was often replicating chores that they saw their mothers doing, which we don't see Caroline doing in her play. Like her play is actually very unfettered. It's not replicating or mimicking labor that she'll have to take on for real as an adult. Like she's outside sledding. She's wants to go skating. She's kind of doing whatever. And you know, that's, that is very, as an adult, like, wow, how aspirational is that? I think that's where Kathleen Ernst felt comfortable or empowered to do something that Valerie Tripp didn't because of a 15-year time difference. When Felicity is supposed to be learning how to do stitches, she bucks against it, right? As if she, like, has all of these other things that she'd rather be doing and that she could actually be doing. When we see Caroline being really excellent at her embroidery, it's for an end. And it's because she actually, like, saves the day. Like, they choose to do very different things with tedium. Like, Caroline looks at a spinning wheel, which would have been a source of, like, maybe some fun times, but mostly a lot of exhausting, repetitive work for women in her family. And she's like, I see a toy. Like, that is a spark of joy that I love that the author is able to consistently pull out for her. And, like, knowing what the men at the shipyard are capable of, she's like, 
but what if you also made me stuff? Like, I think there's, like, a fascinating audacity to her. One of the anecdotes that's pulled out into the peek into the past is a, um, I was doing some reading of what some thought was apocryphal, but is actually true. The Patty Polk sampler, where she writes about how, like, she doesn't enjoy doing that work and she'd rather be reading. I think Ernst finds, like, a cool way to make Caroline her own person, right? She's not Mm. sitting there being like, I love to stitch because I love to do it. She's like, I love doing this because I love making people who I care about happy with this thing. But I also like doing this other thing because it just gives me pleasure. Like, that's a cool character take for 1812 when other kids her age are, like, dying in factories. Well, I actually think it's a modern take of Kathleen to completely divorce labor from play. Yes. And to have Caroline say explicitly in book two, I'm bringing my embroidery with me because like it's something that calms me when I'm nervous. (laughs) Like it's this very like almost like adult self-awareness about like this is my therapy, mom. Like I'm doing my embroidery because like this is my self-care. And the mom's like, oh, great. I'm going to bring mine too. Like good idea. So it's almost like this weird like adult, like that's how adults talk about crafting or like that's how I talk about crafting. But in a way it's like it's it's kind of refreshing. Like, even though it's sort of an adult self-awareness, it's way more refreshing than hearing a little girl be like, I'm going to iron because like my dream is to be my mom when I grow up. And you're like, ah, like (laughs) my dream is not to work. Like I don't have a dream job, but my dream job is not working. And like, so I kind of actually liked that Caroline is so thoughtful about her play. Yeah, because Felicity on the other end is basically like, I don't like these things because I just don't like them and I'd rather be wearing pants, right? But I think this strikes like an interesting, an interesting different take. And I just like, I honestly have consistently appreciated like the, the realism in some ways. Like I feel like there are aspects of her story that feel very well researched and I really like I think there's a big difference between these peak into the past entries and like the very first ones, right? Like there is a huge difference. I think there are still a lot of generalizations. There's a a dichotomy that's drawn in here about Christmas in the North versus Christmas in the South, where it's like region is doing a lot of work when really um, race and class would have shaped Mm -hmm. the way that you saw these times of year far more. That said, like, they avoid a lot of the generalizations that the first ones do, where it was like, did you know women did not wear pants until World War II, (laughs) right? Like, Wild. Like, don't (laughs) even go there. I also kind of was thinking and reading Peek into the Past, like, how would this series have been different if American Girl was like, you know what? We want an award. Of, we want a war of 1812 story, but we need it to be down south. And Andrew Jackson is like a family friend or like we're in the world of Andrew Jackson's war of 1812. Oy, oy, a lot of drooling. Like, at the you know table. what I'm saying? Like Lincoya, yep. the Lincoya narrative is in the mix. Like all of this stuff is going down and American girl is like, yep, we're going to wade into all of that. I do feel like because we know who Caroline is, I do feel like she's going to read about Lewis and Clark and she's going to be an early onboarder of both the National Bank and Manifest Destiny rhetoric. And like she's going to go for it so hard. And the local mailman who she marries is eventually just going to become an itinerant preacher to get away. He's like, I'm not staying in Sackett's Harbor my whole life. And she's like, me? I'm I'm Mrs. Sackett's Harbor. 
Well, I also think she's Miss Sackett's Harbor, who, because she lives so distantly from, at least in that point, maybe slavery is fully abolished in wherever her area is as an adult, wherever she ends up. But I think she's also someone, to your point, who reads about Manifest Destiny is like, this sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> and I do believe we should annex Mexico. Oh, thank you. She's 100% She's writing. Yes, she's writing a personal check to annex Texas and to promote Texas statehood. When she talks to her daughters, she was like, she's like, so my grandmother suffered through the revolution. Newsflash, cut to me. Do you know what happened to my favorite carpet? And they're like, oh my God, grandma, like, please, please not stop. again. They're like, literally, like, we're all trying to get through the panic of 1837. And she's like, you're going to listen. You sit down and listen. listen to me. And then Abraham Lincoln's running for president. She was like, <laughs> never in my lifetime will I vote for the man who introduced the spot resolutions. <laughs> no. Sir, don't you know we need Mexico? Why would you question that? And she's like, listen, like her daughters are like, mom, how can you like Andrew Jackson? Like gross, whatever. And she's like, <laughs> okay, girls, but would it change your mind if you knew that really my favorite and some might say my crush was the little magician Martin Van Buren? She's like, guys, <laughs> is it that bad? Oh is that God. worse? She loves a fellow New Yorker, Martin Van B. She yeah. loves, oh my gosh. If you're as intrigued by Martin Van Buren as I am, write to us. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. One of my park service friends and I, a few years ago, we made basically a pilgrimage to the Martin Van Buren National Historic Site. And we showed up for the tour and the person was like, oh, what brings you here? And we were like, what didn't bring us here? Exactly. So like many we, questions. We have been prepping for this for years. Um, I, That's like a whole story for another time because I think they actually do really, really interesting and compelling work there. That's a separate conversation. I want Caroline's bonnets. I don't want the attitudes of her time. I do want all of her clothes. Like you show up with a rack in front of my house tomorrow and it's the Caroline Ensemble, but in my size, right? So not 18 wow. inch, but for my size. I put it all on. Meanwhile, like I was having flashbacks to when a very much older relative that my dad took us to visit as small children, he would be like, listen, like she can't leave her house. Like she doesn't a lot of family. So we're going to go visit her. We had a lot of people on this list that we would tour around and she gave me a muff, like an actual muff, like she's wearing on the cover of this book. And I remember getting home and being like, but how am I supposed to play basketball outside in the winter with a muff? Like, I can't shoot a three with this. And like, I kind of like threw it on the ground. <gasps> I, I set it actually on a wall so that no harm would come to it. And I still do have it. And it's a very nice memento of this very nice relative. But at the same time, that's where my head was at. Like, I would have been sledding, but also I would have put pants on first. Like, I would have taken this to a Felicity place. The only question in my mind is whether I'm buying myself or Caroline a muff first. I think you should get one first. Probably you should both. have that thrill. I we would give you this, match. but again, I think it's in my parents' attic, so it will never be seen again. We will <laughs> we'll raise the Titanic before I see any of the stuff that's in my parents' attic. Okay, speaking of attics, if I may... In October, we are going to be reading Something Upstairs by the iconic Rhode Island author, Avi. Oh, boy. Wow. I haven't read I haven't read an Avi in a long time. We're too afraid to read the Magic Attic Club series just in case. So we were like, what other attic 
you know, story can we probe? If you don't recall this book, it had hands coming up through a box in an attic. I'm scared. I don't think I can read this. I normally like to read right before bed and I like to stay up late reading. That's my joy. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do that this time. But anyway, this is, if you are not on our Patreon, please hop on there because it is such a fun community. And so that will be the book that we're taking on in the month of October. We're also going to be circulating a poll for a Hallmark, uh, Hallmark, a Halloween (laughs) movie to watch together that we, the Patreon community will choose. We're also going to be watching the premiere of the Babysitter's Club season two, debuting on October 13th, question mark? 11th. Okay, sorry. Date's not my forte. So I think we're going to watch the first two episodes together as a group. It's going to be really fun. We did this with season one and I was just like obsessed with it. So, and we have many different channels on there where people have conversations literally all day long and we love it. It's such a great community. So please join us there and become a Duncan Shiro if that sounds good to you. (laughs) Um, Allison, I don't even know what to say. Oh, Allison, I forgot. We came up with a hashtag for our craft show. Yes. So we would love if you had designs or something that you just wanted to share. We just thought it would be fun as a community. You know, we're always doing different things for each character. So if you make something that kind of falls within the world of Caroline or AG and you want to be part of something bigger, use the hashtag Caroline's Craft Fair and we're going to put something together after everyone has done it. We're going to try to run this through October 22nd and then have some kind of little celebration for Caroline's birthday. Who knows what that will look like? Maybe it's just like me going live wearing a muff. Maybe it's Caroline going ice skating. I honestly have no idea at this point. If you film your Caroline doll breaking through the ice of a local pond, I will leave my body. I'm just telling you that right now. (laughs) I won't be saved from the ice. But yeah, like I'm very, I love to make things and experiment with different things. I like to make artist books for fun. So and zines and God knows what else. So I'm, I'm plotting my contribution to the Caroline craft fair. I know Allison is plotting her own. And so it doesn't have to be Caroline related. That would be cool, but you can just make something which might help you with your stress. Like it helps Caroline show off your stuff with that hashtag and we will put it all together and have our own virtual craft fair. So I'm very excited for that. Me too. You can follow us at a girl's pod on Twitter. You can also find us at American girls podcast on Instagram. We are on Facebook and we have a website, American girls podcast.com. Mary, if people want to talk with you a bit more about tragic ice breakthrough stories, where should they find you? Wow. I would love to hear about that and your own personal predictions for, you know, the upcoming winter Olympics and the figure skating competitions. And also I should just give a quick plug to our former intern, Rebecca, because I have been really salivating over her Ben Affleck slash Ben (laughs) um, from Felicity's illustrations. And I think I'm finally ready to order the t-shirt that I've been wanting. So thank you for inspiring me with your craft and your talent. And you can find me to talk about pretty much anything at Mimi Mahoney on Instagram and on Twitter at Mary Mahoney123. Um, if you want to talk about my favorite representation of skating, it's The Skater by Gilbert Stewart. And I'm wow. at Allison Horrocks on Twitter and Instagram. We don't actually have to talk about that. It's okay. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Gilbert Stewart stands out there, but that's very <laughs> exciting. This, these books are going to stay with me for a while. And, you know, I can't wait for the next Caroline adventure. 
Thanks everyone. See you in the next episode. Thank you.